0: Welcome to the No Ent Here, the podcast, the official and only podcast of Dumpstat Adventures. I am one of the hosts, Steven. I am the other host, Chris. We are uh, starting up a podcast for Dumpstat Adventures. Uh, Dumpstat Adventures is a blog where Chris and I talk about all the different things on our minds, which anything from GM advice to the player's perspective of D&D, and tabletop role-playing games and then also we do the occasional deep dive where we uh look into the past editions of like the wish spell fireball uh, i think right now chris is currently uh writing a thesis on the barbarian and its many iterations throughout
1: barbarians suck
0: well i can tell that won't be biased at all i no. look forward to editing that article <laughs> every other line will just be barbarian suck barbarian no. suck why are they so overpowered they're so overpowered but we digress yes um you can
1: find that at dumpstatadventures.com uh the last two deep dives were the fireball and we just released the wish spell which kind of dates us yeah well dates me we're trying to go through and find some of the more iconic uh things from D that have you know morphed and just changed over the years. So, I'm the old guy. So, I started off uh, playing uh AD&D and Steven has come to the game a little later in life and knows 5E. It's an interesting look at some different things. I mean, it, the wish spell for example, uh, holy crap. As we've done this, we've noticed that uh acts just doesn't like players that i understand much. that yeah I as get a it.
0: dm i understand not liking players y'all do some <laughs> stupid shit we do all the time
1: but the the gm advice is interesting steven gives some uh, not only just advice for players but some uh, concepts that you can use um hopefully in your game uh, that might make it a little My easy. advice is
0: not for players my advice is for the for gm GMs. yeah
1: sorry uh players it's mostly bitching about gms no it it's it's a standard look. It's a lot of yeah. the things that you go online and look at now, like different types of players. Yeah, you know, you, know, and you have the meta gamer and the noob and those kind. And,
0: yeah. and the and the problem with all of those is that it's it, it seems to be more like GMs are the ones that are talking about these different type of players. It's rarely the player's perspective. Right. So What Chris is bringing is as a player, how does he see things on his side of the table? Whereas you know, I get to sit behind my beautiful screen on my big throne and look down my nose at everyone chris is kind of in there with the rest of the peasants
1: yes uh,
0: reporting on them and oh gr- snitching on them to oh
1: me. great arbiter great St-
0: arbiter in the sky great
1: arbiter in the sky as you can tell Stephen likes power so you can also find us at twitter at come
0: on Stephen, help me out here stat underscore dump
1: excellent go on there and uh you know we're usually the uh, well let me rephrase it I'm usually the one posting stuff. Steven says, are you really bored? Why are you? What are you doing? So
0: Uh, if you send anything to us, if you add us at all, uh, Chris, I'm sure will immediately like it and then start following you.
1: (laughs) Probably. He's like Uh, a teenage girl. I'm desperate for friends that I'll never meet in the iteration of uh, people on the internet.
0: I don't need friends. I just need your constant approval. That's why I'm doing this.
1: Fantastic. So that's us. A relatively uh, new site. And obviously, this is our first podcast, but we're trying to hit it in a lot of different angles. We are also getting ready to put out One Shot with the potential of being a trilogy.
0: Correct. Well, uh, as the same day that the podcast goes out, the adventure will also be released on DM's Guild for free. Mm-hmm. Hope you guys check it out. It's called Druid in the Sewers. Uh, you can find a link to it on our website, dumpstatadventures.com, or just go to DM's Guild. And it should be there unless things go awry and it takes a couple of days to process.
1: Right. So keep an eye out for that.
0: Also, there is a podcast episode titled Druid in the Sewers that will go over uh, kind of our look at the adventure, give you a little bit more information about our design thoughts and ideas. Uh, Nothing too nitty gritty like the mechanics of things, but it it does touch on a couple of things that uh, we found interesting and wanted to share with you to give you a little bit more ideas as to. How to properly run it. If you're a player, it might not be too interesting. We are going to talk about a little bit about gming and kind of the scary side of it. Like for me, as a player, I only started D and D about two years ago. I was a player for uh, probably a total of eight nine months, mm-hmm. um, and then I had a bit of a hiatus in there, and then I went as uh, straight to dming. I really enjoy power. Not necessarily power. I more or less uh, really like knowing what's going on. Players, you kind of have to wait your turn as the, the arbiter uh, kind of goes around the room trying to see what are people doing. And I kind of like it's always my turn if I am the GM. You know, uh, everyone's looking to me. I'm getting constant approval to feed my <laughs> fragile ego. I really enjoy. I really enjoy doing it. And you know, I sometimes I wonder if I have a if I have a different idea as to as for enjoyment as I read all these blogs where you know, players are like oh I could never dm it's too much work or you know it's too much pressure on you it's like oh, I don't really have that much pressure on me I just kind of <laughs> sit there and my style is very much uh, kind of improv and off the cuff type things I don't prep too much I have a couple of bullet points as to what will happen with uh, these type things but I really let the players work their way through the adventure I don't have anything set in stone that needs to happen and stuff and so i have a very prep light mentality towards it and maybe that's what kind of scares off players is they think they have to prep so much stuff now chris you're currently a player in 5e but you used to dm for 2e how was being a player back then and a gm then versus being a player now
1: well it was a lot of work because Back then you had, well, you had a lot of resources compared to now. Now they just put out these gigantic books that, you know, take forever to read. You spend half your life flipping through to try and find the map for the room that you're on. Back then they had modules. And they were basically the original one-shots. They were anywhere from 15 to 20 pages. And they would release one, one, probably one every month. And you could probably run them. Some of them, the shorter ones were one-shots. Some of the longer ones, you could probably run for two or three sessions. I still have all of mine. um, And I think I have pretty much all of them. So they were great. But if you wanted to actually custom design something, you had to hand-draw your maps. Unless you were just making them up off the cuff, which never worked out well. You... It took you forever to find. I mean, now, I mean, you just roll out your uh, your sheet and get a erasable marker and draw on there. You know. Back then, they didn't have that. It was a pain in the ass. It was different. It was a lot different than now. But let me ask you a question. In the current campaign that we're tying up here, we got some loose ends, and then we're gonna go fight the
0: big bad. Evil big, guy boss evil girl evil girl i suppose in this context it is
1: um as far as we know first half we ran tomb of annihilation no yes no wow. we ran oh wait i'm so
0: glad i made such an
1: impression tomb on of you. annihilation is what we were running when i was doing al correct um
0: yeah because you uh we met not even a year ago uh right. and i was doing an al table and we were going through tomb of annihilation he was playing a warlock had no idea what he was doing it's very <laughs> cute But, no, we started our campaign with Curse of Strahd because I really wanted my wife to get into D&D, and, uh, you know, I kind of let her choose, like, what type of theme, and so we kind of went with gothic horror. And I had always heard good things about Curse of Strahd, so I was excited to run it for you guys. And so I got a bunch of random strangers, invited them to my house. (laughs) Uh, Luckily, none of them turned out to be, like, serial killers or anything. Well, I'm pretty sure
1: that your wife, like, vetted us all through, like, social media and
0: Facebook. She did. (laughs) I think she showed me a couple of posts like seems a little concerning it's like that's ah, fine <laughs> they're fine that's <laughs> hardly any blood <laughs>
1: so uh, yeah so there was yeah. so we we ran through stradlandia
0: correct and i expanded a little bit so you guys mm-hmm. were there a couple of levels longer because i wanted you guys to hit the uh level 11 kind of milestone thing. Okay. And I felt with the way Strahd was written that he wasn't strong enough for level 11. That was more like level 9, level 10 characters to go right. up against Strahd. And 11 is a very big power increase for you guys. Yes.
1: We ran that, right. and then we transitioned into you running your ideas. Which do you like better? and What are some of the pluses and minuses of running something that is a published and running something that you get to create
0: for that i would definitely say uh, i really enjoyed running the hardcover as a new uh, gm and i encourage anyone that's thinking of becoming a gm to run one of those like lost minds of Findelver, the original kind of, I, I guess it's like their start it, it is their starter set um, mm-hmm. it's always a nice place to kind of start out uh, you kind of have to be weary of the goblins starting out <laughs> as they all have a surprise round and there's four of them and if they crit on level one characters, everyone's dead. I have heard some horror stories where <laughs> there was a TPK on that first encounter. <laughs> um,
1: people were people like, you're the worst GM
0: ever. Uh, I'm going to play with you again. Like, d and is a lot harder than I thought it'd be. <laughs> I really enjoyed the hardcover for that purpose. And for just starting out uh, being a GM, you should definitely check out some of those hardcovers. Like, I've run Water Deep Dragon Heist. I don't recommend that one. Currently running uh, Dungeon the Mad Mage, it's enjoyable, but unless uh, your party is big on dungeon diving, it's might want to skip it. Though Mm -hmm. it does get you to uh, level 20, which is the first hardcover to do so.
1: Oh wow, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, so uh, you start at level 5 and go to level 20. So it's it's their first hardcover for 5e that will take you to those high-powered levels. It's the first one that will take you, I think, past level 12.
1: Yeah, oh, okay the way yeah. it's
0: written and so you can always pick that one up after you go through one of the original hardcovers but i've also done curse of Strug*, like we said i've mm-hmm. done tomb of annihilation tomb of annihilation is pretty fun um though the end of it is a like a small dungeon die that right. uh is is more of like haha you died type <laughs> things which i might have said three or four times um i did get Three TPks in Tomb of Annihilation, so it's a very dangerous place for people to go through. Yeah, especially. the name of
1: name of it doesn't give that away at all. Uh, oh, I never got that. <laughs> yeah. yeah How about that? Okay, as a new GM, then the books aren't short.
0: No, they're not short. And um, did and you find we, that? Well, I found that to be very interesting. There's a lot of information in there, but a lot of it's incomplete. And so, when I was first starting out, I was like, I feel like they forgot to put stuff in there and then i realized you know as i read more through it like they did without purpose to uh, allow you to have a little bit of fun with it to allow you put your own spin on it you know you're not just like and the players walk into this room and this and this happen <laughs> it, you know it's it's more of you know all right so you guys are walking in this room awesome so uh, this is going to happen followed by this and you know it, you have a lot of freedom there and i really liked uh, Curse of Strahd Um, because of that Gothic core, though, you do have to be a little careful that you don't go too dark every single session or else it becomes a drag and people don't want to stay in Strahd and we completed Strahd in three months, but that was meeting twice a week for four to five hours, Tuesday and Friday. And so, you know, that, that was probably a regular group that meets once a week. It'd be more like six to seven months that would take them to complete through it. I
1: didn't realize we did Strahd in three months. Yeah.
0: We uh, yeah we ran through that really quick yeah well we
1: me, I guess meeting twice a week
0: was, oh yeah meeting twice a week really helped you guys get through that
1: <laughs> it's it's great when you find a group <coughs> excuse me I and don't
0: recommend doing no. two sessions every week with the same group I especially don't recommend doing three sessions every week with two different groups yeah that's, no, that's what I was doing
1: it's always good to find a group of people that have no lives so that you can <laughs> just play as
0: much as you want
1: all right so we you you get through Curse of strad. And we move on to you getting to create.
0: Yeah, I I really enjoyed uh, homebrewing the adventure. I wasn't sure what to do, and so I was planning way too much. For (laughs) me, I was creating way too much information, and I was spending way too much time doing that. I was not enjoying coming up with conversations you guys may or may not have. I wasn't enjoying coming up with events that you may or may not see in the city.
1: Um, And did you find that frustrating as a GM?
0: wasn't frustrating per se i've just found it it felt more like homework than it was a game and Mm -hmm. part of being the gm is that my fun is derived from not just playing the game but with coming up with ideas for the game okay uh but this was becoming more homework and stuff and so we started i decided uh after they killed strahd that basically Barovia kind of crumbles away into the Shadowfell, and the heroes, for lack of a better word, uh, <laughs> are transported into Sigil, the City of doors. Because so I really wanted this to be kind of a heavy uh, exploration through the plains type thing. And so they arrived in Sigil, uh, they get to Hestavar, which is the demiplane for Ioun, Arathus, and then some other god. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like this huge place, uh, chock full of wealth and majesty, and you guys meet this one Plane escape captain, uh, Captain Jadak is a githyanki, who needs your help. You guys get to meet a an Astral Dreadnought, which you guys escape with your lives, and <laughs> then Barely After all this craziness you guys arrive back onto the material plane and we went to a homebrew world. And so from Sigil to the Astral Dreadnought, I was planning way too much stuff. Okay. I was coming up with all these ideas that never happened. Or had like a 1% chance of happening just in case. I need to be prepared. Strahd had all this information for me to work with. I need to have that same information for the home campaign. No. (laughs) I I really didn't. Once we got into the material plane after about four or five sessions, uh, I started planning less. And I started leaning more on improv and things like that. And I would say that's probably the hardest thing about starting out as a GM is figuring out, how good are you at improv? How much can you improv? And those that might struggle with improv, and I've heard Matt Mercer, not to compare myself to him, uh, say like improv is the single greatest thing that has improved his GMing abilities. So if there are improv classes for you and you have the disposable income, I highly recommend doing improv classes. I haven't done them personally because I'm a cheapskate and I don't <laughs> like spending that type of money and I don't like other people interacting with people that much (laughs) i've been really focusing on how to be better at improvving i've been reading articles about it and Mm -hmm. so i think um being able to work off the cuff and work with other players ideas quickly and getting through ideas extremely fast right uh -hmm. is very important for new gms to start learning how to do of course you're not going to be perfect you're not going to be the next matt mercer on like after you read an article on improv
1: worrying about being intimidated as being a gm and having all these things do you worry about players whether they're not having fun or if they're bored i mean how does that play into being a a gm and that would seem very intimidating to me now because we the group you're running right now we're a difficult group (laughs) we have
0: you're the only difficult part. Yeah. Well,
1: we have five distinct personalities mm-hmm. that play almost five distinct different styles. We have someone that metagames. And that's great. That works for him. We have uh, someone I'm that... I'm just going
0: to go off on a limb here and say, metagame is not the deadly sin that people no, think it is. Not at all.
1: Um, it slows down the game a little bit. But it's I like it because there's shit that I never knew you could do. And I'm like, holy crap, I should remember that because I might play that character next time and I didn't know you could do that. And plus, that's the person that helps you out, that gives you the nudge being like,
0: you forgot to do this. I'm like, oh
1: yeah, thanks. Um, it's not a bash. It's just it's, it's just a title of, the, of what the person's doing. We have a, wait, you're the rule lawyer. I come up with my own rule. <laughs> <laughs> we have someone that's come back After a long hiatus and is stuck in a lot of the old rules, that's me. We have two people that are new. One person that is brand new. I mean, this is his first major campaign. Um, Another person's playing for a little while. And we have a person that, for right or wrong, is the person that knows all the answers, even if they don't. And that's difficult. You're trying to coach through some people that don't know the rules. You're trying to accommodate someone that does know all the rules and wants to follow them. And you're having to not walk across the table and hit somebody because they're telling you how to DM. And well, that's intimidating to me. I mean, that is, but you balance it. So is it, did you find that hard? Did that make you not want
0: to GM? I realized I was only ever going to be able to play AL tables, probably, unless I decided to GM. And so I have a very big vested interest in ensuring that the group is cohesive and stays together, even if the table is a bit five big points of personality everywhere. And so, you know, sometimes there's clashing. But I think the major thing is GMs and players need to learn how to better communicate, Mm -hmm. as in like a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband. Like You need to be able to have communication between people. If there isn't that communication, then things are going to start falling apart. People's feelings are going to get hurt when they misunderstand something, and people that are hurting feelings may not realize that they're doing that because the other person is just hiding it behind a mask. And so, I talk to players when I think something might be going on. I make sure people are doing okay. I check in with other people. I ask people for feedback on what I'm doing. Because I'm a new GM. I don't know how certain things that i'm doing might be affecting the table like i don't know if having me doing like silly things in the world is like affecting people and their enjoyment of the campaign or i I enjoy it (laughs) if i just need to be like dead serious all the time i i adjust as needed Mm -hmm. based off of what's going on with the table and the only way i know what's going on with the table is when i communicate with the players and i hope that the players are also communicating with me and being truthful with each other like hey i know that your character is this very like, loud, obnoxious type person, if you could just dial it back maybe a notch <laughs> or two, that would be better for my enjoyment. And I hope like, the players are talking to each other about that yep. and communicating what they need to enjoy things. Now, of course, that doesn't mean like, oh, this person, you know, when he talks, he gets a little loud sometimes, and it. I just don't like that. Like, there are certain things where there are hills that you can die on, and then there are hills that you should just, you know, give right. up on. Um, right. You know. No sense in making mountains of molehills.
1: No. I think one of the things that has worked out really well is you have fostered a sense of community at the table. I mean, we were five strangers for the most part. I mean, you knew pretty much everyone, but some of us didn't know the other people at all. And I think people will find it intimidating to be a ceo at a table and having to bring people together i you're part therapist <laughs> which can is very intimidating to people to have to worry about their emotions i mean
0: and, and not to scare off like, like and not thinking even, and, about and, and then learning GM. all the damn rules <laughs> yeah and and I, I think what that that seems a little intimidating to players that might think about being a gm is like I have all this responsibility at the table. Mm-hmm. And right or wrong, it kind of falls in the GMs, which is unfortunate as this should be a table effort to ensure that there's communication, right. that feelings aren't being hurt, that therapy, as it were, is uh, being done to. Even if you are best friends with someone and like you spent 20 years with them, there can still be table manners right. that just drive you up the wall <laughs> that they might do. You might think, oh, these guys are hilarious outside the table. But at the table, they're so annoying. (laughs) And it's all about communication. And so, as a player, you shouldn't be worried about taking on the role of GMing that you're going to have to be the therapist or that you're going to have to make sure everyone's communicating and things like that as your table should have that on the players themselves as well. Everyone should be responsible for that there is clear communication at the table. Everyone should be responsible that they are voicing anything that might be driving them crazy about someone else and when you hear those critiques you should not be taking them personally right you know we're all different which i've heard is for the better <laughs> and so we as gms unfortunately get a a lot of that kind of pressure thrown on us because we end up kind of being the arbiter of what's going on at the table we are almost seen as in charge of the table right. and whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. Players should have just as much say as the, uh, the GM does about what type of games are going on.
1: Really? At your table? That's
0: not how it works. Okay, this is advice <laughs> for other people, not for my table. I can't trust you.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, but I know you understand how that can be intimidating to somebody, but you have to bring a certain level of confidence to the role to be able to Deliver not only deliver your message in the adventure in and of itself but fostering the players to work with each other and to your point i get it it is a it's a group responsibility you're you're not well you think you're god but you're not god at the table you're the supreme arbiter
0: supreme arbiter overlord, overlord. i think is the correct title. it
1: is and i think what worked well for you and i think what you're trying to explain at least how i'm interpreting it is you start off and you have five individuals at a table and you kind of steer them in the right direction and then you kind of let them do it themselves. Yeah. You know, the players players are responsible for policing themselves. Supreme Arbiter Overlord is responsible for trying to keep you on track not only as a group at the table but also in the adventure because uh, as, as I say a lot of times in our blog, players do stupid shit all the time. I love that saying. Because we do. We do the dumbest stuff all the time. All players do. You, you think you have the best idea in the world. And the look on a GM's face sometimes is like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> there are people that I've seen at the table come out of their shells a lot more. And I, I honestly think that you run therapy sessions after the game. You have a lot of people that are asking questions about the game. And that's, that can be very scary for a new GM, too. When we break our sessions, some of us leave, some of some of us stay, and they start asking questions. Well, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why couldn't I do this? How does that work again? And, and they're looking at you
0: like, I have all the answers. Do you? I mean, can't that, isn't that scary as hell? Well, going on with that and taking that with, like, learning the rules and stuff. I don't know all the rules. In D&D. <laughs>
1: Oh, so you're just telling them? To, I don't fucking know. Read
0: the book. <laughs> well, uh, partly, but kind of. As the scary thing about being a GM is, you have the final say at the table. The mm-hmm. players may dislike it, but they need to respect that. As a GM, you're not trying to fuck them over. You are not putting them over a barrel on purpose. I, when I have to come up with rules on the spot, I am the first thing that pops into my head is player fun and is this breaking the game i try to keep the game as non-breaky as possible uh, because if we don't have rules then we're not really playing a game Uh, the games have rules if they don't have rules then it's not a game i don't know what it is it's free form improv i guess right and so the rules are important to make sure that players understand what they can and cannot do, and that ensures that they have fun the entire time. If they try to do things they can't do, like oh, I'd like to sprout wings, <laughs> fly off this cliff, and it's like, uh, yeah, you jump a off Goliath the cliff with <laughs> no magical abilities. All right, go ahead and jump, see what happens. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you know, wings are not gonna sprout. And if you still want to jump, that's great. What is that? You 20 clearly 20 had some great D6? <laughs> Yeah, uh, twenty d six bludgeoning, and then the freezing water, uh, twenty d six cold. Yeah, that sounds right
1: and i guess that's the difference you know a, a person's personality that wants to gm versus playing i like playing okay. I, I mean i, I dm when i was i never liked playing teens. that much see i love playing i dm'd all the time and it was great but i wanted to i wanted to play and it wasn't it wasn't as much role playing then You didn't do things outside of the battles. The role-playing was trying to do crazy shit with your sword and jumping off a wall, and you got to act that stuff out. You know, we were kids. You're yelling and screaming. You're having a good time. But there wasn't, okay, you're in a tavern, and you're talking, and you're planning on doing all this stuff. 5e allows you to immerse yourself almost into a character. And right or wrong, it's... Critical Role has had a huge impact in that. They see these people acting out their characters all the time. And that looks like a blast. It does. And that's what I want to do. I watched it and I'm just like, this is so much fun. I can't do any of the voices. And I don't have the acting chops that some of these guys have. But I don't give a shit. It's like doing karaoke. You don't care how bad you sing when you get up there. You just have a good time.
0: To be fair, it's, it's not necessarily acting what they're doing. They're doing improv. Right improv and acting are completely different things and Impro- acting is more of going off of a script none of them have scripts no what they're all doing is improv and anyone can you know eventually get good at improv
1: true that to me is fun now and even that can be intimidating for people having oh, yeah. to role play your character correctly and it's nice it's nice to play with a group of people and see people start coming out of their shells and start developing their characters and start having fun with it
0: beginning of any campaign with new players a new table like people are going to be in their shells they don't want to be the first one to uh have people think they're being silly right and kind of as the gm it's my responsibility my table that type stuff it 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 does kind of become my responsibility Mm -hmm. i have to be the first one that's willing to be silly i will be silly the first one and then people start breaking out of their shells. Once they see the GM is kind of taking the lead and doing the voices or describing off-the-wall type things, they'll start getting into the groove and start being silly as well, and they'll start breaking out of their shells. And unfortunately, GMs kind of feel like that they're responsible for the enjoyment of the table. That responsibility is on everyone.
1: The player's responsible for their own fun. They really are. That being said, they're also have to be responsible for making sure that everybody's having a fun time it doesn't just land on the gm
0: and that's important to know as a new gm Mm -hmm. that everyone's fun is not your responsibility right that is on everyone else to have fun like if something is not being fun for the player they need to talk to you afterwards and be like hey uh there was this one situation i really didn't like it if you know maybe we could just avoid doing that in the future, and that could be anything from like you describing some, like
1: slaughtering puppies.
0: I mean that's good fun for the whole family, <laughs> but like if you're like do you you're, you're describing a scene, it's like the spiders like jumping out of like the cupboards and like they have like an intense arachnophobia. <laughs> like that's something you need to be mindful of. Right? right, I know these people really don't like spiders. I'll just avoid talking about spiders. It's not that big of a deal. If you are being such a hard ass, it's like. just spiders get over yourself like you're being a dick (laughs) and you need to have a moment of self-reflection and be like if they don't like something that's fine you know that's not something against you that's just them and you need to adjust accordingly or else you're not gonna have that fun at the table and if you're not having fun at the table why are you you doing for four to five hours a week and then all that time you took prepping
1: no i'm just going to your house because you make great food I guess one of the last questions I want to ask is what, and this can be very scary for people. What do you do when there is a player that's just not fitting in at the table? And I equate it with if you you have any responsibility or any people that you work with that report to you and they're not doing a good job, you may have to let them go. And firing someone in a workplace is very scary for people people don't want to do that most people i know avoid that at all costs yeah
0: i mean everyone well,
1: not me i most people
0: try to avoid confrontation
1: when i back in the day when i was working in the corporate world everybody called me to fire people because i just didn't give a shit you know what you're not doing your job get out you're at a table and you're the gm and you know this person isn't a fit All the other players are coming up and being like, why is this guy such an asshole? Or, can you have him stop? And it's going on and on and on. You realize, you know what? I need to do something about this. And unfortunately, the thing to do is tell him this isn't the table form. That's scary as shit.
0: There's, and you guys can check the footnotes of the show. notes. we have
1: footnotes?
0: I'm going to add show notes. Oh, sweet. There is a beautiful chart that, uh, I don't even know who did it. (laughs) Uh, But it's shared between everyone. You talk to the person. If that doesn't work, then you talk to them again. If that's, like, so long as you're communicating with them and they are trying to change, keep them on. Mm -hmm. But if you keep talking with them and other people are talking to them and they're not changing, just kick them out. You're not having fun. Why would you have yourself do something that's unfun for you for five hours every week? That's pretty much what happens when you have someone at the table that is ruining everyone else's enjoyment. Why are you looking at me like that? Uh...
1: It's something you need to tell them.
0: This is an intervention, Chris. Okay, great. <laughs> we wanted to talk to you about you. It's not you, it's you. It's If everyone at the table is not having fun because of this one person, it might suck to kick them out because they're your friend. But at the end of the day, table etiquette, like if, if they're not respecting the table, then you kind of have to kick them out. You can't just be having bad session after bad session because then you're just going to give up on the will to even properly for the game or to even play the game or be or go to another table like you'll right. just be like you've had a bad experience and that's all you can think about when you think of role playing games yeah that's that's not fair to you or to the rest of the party for someone to be ruining everyone else's fun right and yeah. if they are your friend it can suck kicking them out but you got to do what you got to do you 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 can't just be miserable Every week for five hours. That's that's no fun. No,
1: and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. It's just I think that might be one of the hardest things. Yeah, it's would, definitely
0: hard, look, especially right. if someone's your friend, to like look at them and be like, hey, this isn't working out. Right. Please don't come back to the table. I'm and, breaking up with you. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's the wake-up call they need. Like, oh, I'm not being allowed back to the table. Maybe I have been wrong and maybe you know give them a couple of weeks to cool off and then if they keep promising to change you can give them another chance Mm -hmm. and if they still mess up after that chance unfortunately the the table and your personalities just aren't working
1: right and we're because i mean it's better to lose one person than your entire table
0: yeah you should find a different table that meshes better with your style there's all sorts of like online resources like roll 20 and things like that, you, they, they can find other groups. Right. It's not the end of their D&D career no. there. If, if they really want to play, then they can find other places to play. It's just, you have to watch out for your table. Because right. if there is someone there destroying the group dynamic that is destroying people's fun, then you kind of have to cut that off.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly again. I just... Yeah, and that's... That's scary.
0: Yeah, and that's not just on the GM to kick them out. That's also on the players. The players should also... Someone needs to step up. And unfortunately... That someone is typically the gm
1: user. exactly i mean and you're the be one, scary for
0: new players you're like,
1: the one that everyone comes to bitch yeah. to <laughs>
0: why do i have all this responsibility right i just uh, wanted to come up with some ideas to run my friends through and right and now there's this one dude that's just ruining everyone else's fun why is this on me
1: <laughs> gming if that's something you are interested in what you're saying is do it yeah Do right? it. there's I don't mean, be scared
0: just you will always mess up I mess up like I have bad days where I'm just like, I don't fucking know what you guys are doing. <laughs> <sighs> you know what? Boulder, aneurysm, <laughs> aneurysm. something happens. Any I player can
1: have an aneurysm at any time.
0: <laughs> yeah. and The GM's currently having one watching you guys <laughs> mess about. You're always going to mess up. Even Mercer, the great and powerful Mercer oh, will Jesus. have bad days. Yeah. And have sessions that are lackluster or things like that. But so long as the fun happens majority of the time, you're good to go. Like, yeah. If if your players are having fun, then you should be having fun too. Your your fun though is from a variety of places. My fun is coming up with ideas, and then tossing it at the players, seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. A another GM's fun could be like meticulously planning things out. You know? Right, and so long as they have a table that works with their style, that's great. Another GM's fun might not even have anything to do with prepping. It could just be doing funny voices and having a variety of different voices that he gets to employ to interact with the party.
1: Yeah, no. And I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I guess
0: find what makes it fun for you mm-hmm. and then, you know, run with that. And if your table doesn't quite mesh with that, either if this is a hill you're willing to die on, find it, come up with a new table. If this is something that you can be a little flexible on, start working towards that to cool. maximize your fun.
1: And there's lots of resources out there for a new GM. I mean, yes, it's like there... my website yes exactly your weight um oh i didn't tell you yeah <laughs>
0: you're
1: getting kicked off mutiny um the that'd be more of a hostile.
0: dumpstatadventures.com just so you guys know run
1: by Stephen. so that's one of the things now i mean i don't want to dm i'd love being a player right now i mean maybe down the road somewhere but going into 5e i was like there's too much i mean i can't come up with anything and i don't like w- reading through a book and then as i started doing more research there there are so many references out there to help you through. I mean, just go on DM's Guild and get a couple one shots and read through and be like, oh, and just follow some simple things to start and don't be freaked out of all the things you have to do. So that made it a little easier to think like, oh, one day maybe I will be a GM. But right now I'm having way really too much fun being a player.
0: Yeah, I, this is a topic for another time. But as a player, I always felt like I needed to do more. And and if you ever have like that sensation as player like I need to do more, you should definitely become a GM. You know, it's it's better <laughs> over on this side. We have cookies. Um, you're doing everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, people are typically very very thankful for for when you take on the role of GM. And also, you don't have to be the full time GM. If you're on a steady table, you can talk to your GM and be like, Hey, I'd really like to give this a shot. Can I like run like a one-time game can i run like a multi-session game like you know like we'll start level three and we'll just attack this kobold cave and we'll see where it goes and stop know.
1: with the kobolds the
0: kobolds are the greatest great ever
1: you know that's going to be a deep dive right I can't wait. <laughs> yeah i mean it's a personality thing and being a player has its own challenges i just don't think i'd be ready to take on the challenges of being a gm yet but i am not scared to do it i'm having i'm enjoying myself now
0: there's nothing scary about GMing. i when i first started it was i was more nervous about uh ensuring people had fun but if people aren't having fun i expect that they will come talk to me that is what i have told the table time and time again i am there to listen to them and listen if they aren't having fun don't
1: how many people come to bitch to you about me no
0: Uh, yeah
1: oh no and i wouldn't be surprised if there were some people bitching about me in the beginning because i
0: had no fucking clue
1: what i was doing and i still stumble through it and uh
0: Uh, just one quick thing about rules you don't need to learn them all it's fine Mm -hmm. there's a poorly managed index page at the back of the dmg and the phb you can look it up on the spot or come up with your own no one's going to expect you to know all the rules and if they do they're being a bit ridiculous jeremy crawford and chris perkins and mike merles they're constantly saying like they don't even know all the rules and they wrote the damn thing right and they have uh mike merles will constantly say like always like go back we always look at what the rules actually are because you can always misremember it you can remember it from other games past right. editions random things that pop into your mind that's mm-hmm. all all right no that makes sense that was a good talk i appreciate
1: the answering of all the crazy questions i have because a lot of them make sense and
0: i don't think anybody should be scared sometimes you got to grab life by the balls okay. sometimes you have to grab the game by the balls and squeeze tight and <laughs> hope for the best yeah
1: like we said in the beginning
0: if you
1: don't like listening to our voices well then you can go to our blog at dumpstatadventures.com
0: then you can read your voices
1: yeah exactly mine sounds totally different um and we will be doing this, what you say, biweekly?
0: Uh, biweekly, Every other week, we hope to put out a podcast where we go over uh, questions about tabletop role-playing games, and go you over feedback, right, follow up, that type of stuff. If you have any comments, please leave them down there. Uh, we just released our, at the time of this releasing, we should have our first adventure, Druid in the Sewers, out on DM's Guild for free. You can follow us on Twitter at stat underscore dump. Our blog is dumpstadaventures.com. I am Steven. I am Chris. And we hope you guys have a great week.